just the way it is, isn't it, right? Um, so right now I'm, I'm turning to my scripture, and it is a little different than it is listed in the bulletin. Um, we, we brought you the bulletin so that you might experience listening. <laughs> the scripture is Matthew 5, so you'd be close, 25 through 34. Um, so, you can read it on the screen, turn it to you in your own Bible as we come to it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory has not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat? Anybody ever said that? <laughs> no food in the house, what are we going to eat? Or what will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things, and indeed your heavenly Father knows you need all these things. But, always listen to these buts, strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today, trouble is enough for today. Let us pray. May this word, O oh Lord, that we have heard, may it bless us, and may we come to you just living this day and receiving this day and knowing that even in this moment, you are blessing us in Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the stories you are going to have to tell me that I do not know about this community is what happened to you in 2011 on a day when there were tornadoes all over the state. Now, I know that it affected you because I heard that it affected every county in the state of Alabama. But if you know or remember, Tuscaloosa got the brunt of it. It really had a horrible time in 2011 when these tornadoes hit. But I was serving a church called Sylvan Springs United Methodist Church. Now, Sylvan Springs is in what's known as Tornado Alley. And the people there, they just watched, waiting for it to come and just hit them and just destroy them. But it did not. It went through Pleasant Grove, which is right next door. And Pleasant Grove was hit very difficult, diff it was very bad. It was very bad in Pleasant Grove. 
And we had one church member who lived in Pleasant Grove whose home was destroyed. And by destroyed, I mean that she and her husband, Carolyn, her name's Carolyn, and that Carolyn's who I see the, the, it all through. Carolyn, her eyes, because she's told me the story, Carolyn's husband was with her, her um, daughter was with her, and her two grandchildren were with her. And they gathered together and went down into the basement for to be in their safe place. You all have done that, gone to your safe place. They went to their safe places and praised the Lord because they were listening to what was happening. They chose to go into the safest place they could imagine, the little cubby holes that you have on the edge, on the dirt side of the, of the basement, and they went there. And the tornado made a a absolute hit of the house to the point that in the garage, I mean, in the basement, they could see the sky. I mean, everything was gone. And, and Carolyn's husband's car, truck was lifted up and dropped down into the basement. And the, the truck hit something that hit her husband, and he had some injuries to his back which will, I'm sure, bother him the rest of his life, but he is okay. Pain that he has that he will probably have. They were all okay. But to lose everything, and I mean everything, is just devastating. And they left and, and stayed in the home of a friend that night, and, and you know how they, when it's really bad, the police come and lock off and don't let anybody in for a while? But the next day, they, they were able to go in, and they were able to go in with a few friends to look if there's anything they could salvage. Now, Carolyn had something that she wanted really more than anything else. When she had retired, which had been that year, um, she had gotten for herself as a retirement gift a baby grand piano. And she loved to play piano, and it was one of the just something she had dreamed of all her life. As you can imagine, the baby grand piano did not make it. They could not find any clothes. They couldn't find any random pots and pans. They could not find anything. But the Lord is so good. And one of her friends comes running up to her and says, Carolyn, Carolyn, I have found something you must come see. It was on the side of the yard, and there was a tree that had come down, but it just, it was left about this high, you know, just kind of there. And on the tree was a page of a, the Bible that had survived and been stuck by a, another piece of a limb into the tree. And they came and they looked at this piece of the Bible covered with dirt, torn and, and just a fragment. And on it was this passage with a red headline that said, Do not 
worry. Can you imagine God giving you a better gift at that moment than the words of do not worry? Carolyn says a peace just came over her. She just felt so thankful to the Lord that the Lord had given her this word, even though she had lost all her possessions and her things that she had gathered through the years. If you have ever downsized, you know how much that can be and how hard it can be sometimes to say goodbye to things that you know it's time to say goodbye to and how much there are things you want to keep. She took this piece of paper and she framed it and it is now next to the front door when you walk into her beautiful new home that was built on the same place as her old home. Now that's not the end of the story. I think that's a beautiful story. But there's something else that's going on on the sidelines. You may be aware of the fact, I hope you are, that the United Methodist Church does amazing things through UMCOR, United Methodist Committee on Relief. They do amazing things. Um, I know we haven't really got there, and I hadn't learned how to do this, but we've, there's been some discussion that we need to take an offering for the people in Kentucky and the flooding and all that happened there. We need to be thinking about what we can do. But I'm going to go back right now to this story. So I was reading everything the conference said and the big general church said and UMCOR, trying to figure out where and how we might be of use. Because this church had experienced a lot of tornado damage through the years. They had received help from the United Methodist Committee on Relief. They had received help from brothers and sisters in the Methodist Church and brothers and sisters from all kinds of churches and all kinds of people. And they knew how hard it was. So I'm praying and asking the Lord, what can we do? And I, I see that they're looking places for, for teams mission teams, UMCOR teams, to come and to be able to stay. And I thought, well, maybe we can house somebody or maybe we can do something with that. We have this beautiful gym, and then I read further and it said, we need places with showers. Now, obviously, having a shower would be helpful if you're on a mission team. You know, you kind of like that. And I was telling another member of the church, I said, it's such a shame that we cannot house anybody in our gym unless we had showers. Maybe we can get people to donate showers. I mean, I live across the street. Maybe my shower would be enough. And she looks at me with this quizzical look on her face, like you do a lot of the time. And she looked at me and she said, Dorothy, our gym has showers. They have men's showers. They have women's showers. It's behind the back of the of the, the restroom. I felt really, really, uh, I don't know, I felt like I'd missed something there, an important thing to know, but I did not know. I'd been there, well, I'd only been there four months, but still, I should have figured out there were showers at that point, you know. So I, I called up headquarters and I said, Methodist headquarters in our conference, in North Alabama conference, and I said, hey, 
We have a gym. We have showers. We're right next to Pleasant Grove, which got slammed. Is there anything we can do to help? And they were like, absolutely, we will send you teams. And they did, and they did, and they did for two and a half years. One of the great things about UMCOR is they don't leave until things are done. Two and a half years they came. And in those two and a half years, every time they came, we greeted them with a meal for the first night and cookies. And Carolyn would come and give her testimony. And she would tell about how she had lost everything but nothing. Because she had lost material things, but God had been there with her. And then she would pull out this beautiful, framed, dirty, torn piece of the Bible that said, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, I worry. I'm a mother. I worry, okay? I worry about my children. I worry about weddings. I, I, Y'all may not have gotten to the point of worrying about a wedding yet. Besides, he's got the groom, not the bride in his family. <laughs> But the Lord says, do not worry. And every time my heart becomes overwhelmed, this verse becomes really important to me. But it's got a part that's even better than the do not worry, I tell you. It's got the part that says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. You know what that means? I can worry about today. You hear that? I, I can be concerned about what's going on today. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I can be concerned about today. Now, I don't do this really well, but I try. I try to make a list every night about what I need to do the next day so that I can check off what I need to do. Now, there are a couple of problems with that. If you're a pastor, you find things kind of creep up that you didn't expect, one after another, after another, after another. But the other thing is, well, sometimes things on your list just take longer than you planned. But you know what? God is with our days. God takes care of us. Now I want to share with you another story from a woman who also touched my heart and relates very well in my mind to this whole story about not worrying. I don't know if you've ever heard of a woman named Becca Stevens. Becca Stevens runs a place in Nashville, Tennessee that has expanded to places all over the country. She started this in 1997 and as an Episcopal priest and as a writer and as a, a woman that just had a calling on her heart, she started places, a place for women who were su surviving trafficking, prostitution, and addiction. And she did it partially by creating jobs for them, for women also who were coming out of jail. Because these women had a hard time getting jobs. And they make 
different uh, fragrances. Of, of They started with just candles, but they have expanded to all kinds of things that they make now. Beautiful, wonderful things that they make. But one of the beautiful things about Becca Stevens is that her heart is with each and every woman who comes in her path. Oh my goodness, she has a beautiful heart. Just a wonderful heart. And I want to share two things that happened to her that tell us about God's presence and how we need not worry. The first one is about a, a woman who'd been with them for about six months and who'd come to take Jesus as her Savior and who had talked a lot to Becca. And Becca had said, you are a beloved child of God. I don't care what has happened to you. I don't care what you have done. You are a beloved child of God. And you are beautiful as a beloved child of God. And she had grown and she had, she had learned to do things. And she was just growing beautifully in her insides. You know how that works? And she was growing in her insides and um, the man who had uh, run her life in trafficking before she was able to find this safe place found her and beat her up and hurt her greatly. And she ended up in the hospital in intensive care, struggling. And Becca got down there as quickly as she could get down there, and she was worried about what would have happened to her and if it felt like it was bringing her back to her past and, and whether she would be able to handle this new tragic thing that had happened in her life. And she walks in and she says to her, Are you okay? And she looks up with a smile on her face and says, I am still a beloved child of God, and I am still beautiful. Ah, oh, if we would remember that, doesn't that take so much away from us? Now, the second story is about something that happens very specifically to Becca. She's one of these persons who has dreams and she keeps bidding bigger and bigger and bigger. And one of the things, she decided they needed an administrative building. So they bought this big building with a big loan. Y'all know how that happens, don't you? And she bought this big building and she had this dream of what they were going to do about it. And the day after she signed the loan, the buying of the place, Nashville had a huge flood. And the flood hit the building. And it knocked the building off its moorings. And it left this huge pile of, of just mud everywhere. And she thought, God, are you telling me I'm doing the wrong thing? And she looked up into the pile of mud, and at the very top of it was a thistle. Now, I remember the first time I heard her tell this story, and I thought, so you saw a thistle. Great. I mean, you could tell she was really excited about this. 
turns out that she has a story which she did not share that day, and I have not heard, about thistles that has something to do with her calling to the ministry. And the place where the women live is called Thistle Farms. She said, it was nothing but just mud everywhere you looked and one lone thistle. She said, God was telling me not to give up. I share this with you because I want you to know and I want you to hear that Sometimes we have small sightings of God's love. Sometimes the joy that God intends for us is small, is not what we expected, but it's there. God is there for us, and he's not just there where we can't see, but he is there where we can see. I'm going to tell you one more story, and this one's about me. Can you imagine me telling a story about myself? My daughter has just spent four years in China. My daughter called me up to tell me she was moving from Birmingham, Alabama to Jinzhou, China. I've never heard of Jinzhou. It's got several million people there, but I'd never heard of it. Just 10 minutes, 10 minutes before this happened, Kay, who's sitting right here on the front row, Kay brought me a Chinese-English Bible. <laughs> she said, I saw this Bible and I wondered, who likes crazy Bibles? She says, Dorothy likes crazy Bibles. I'm going to give it to her. She didn't know my daughter was going to China. I didn't know my daughter was going to China. But I learned that God would be there. It doesn't matter. God is with us, and God will continue to be with us. One of the signs and gifts and abilities for us to see God's presence is Holy Communion. It is a sacrament of great beauty and wonder. As we prepare for communion this morning, this beautiful anthem is going to be sung for us. May we listen to the beauty of the music, but listen for the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen.